Praise the Lord, this is Brother Julius Adeomi. We are going through the Gospel of Luke, and I'm now in chapter 9. And the processes I will read through it and pause as the Lord leads wherever and give some comments as we, as we read and study the book of the Gospel of Luke together. Take your Bible and follow along. Chapter 9 of Luke, verse 1. This is, talking, this is the Lord Jesus Christ's life uh, ministry. Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he, and he said unto them, Take nothing for your journey, neither staves nor scrip, neither bread, neither money, Neither have two coats apiece. Whatever else ye enter into, there abide and thence depart. And whosoever will not receive you when ye go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, and he was perplexed because that it was said of, them, of some that John was risen from the dead. Now, let me pause there and comment on the fact that the power that Jesus Christ gave to these disciples when he said, Go and heal the sick and make the and preach the kingdom of God, it is the same commission he gave to the every, every believer up till this time. Because he said he gave pain power over and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. That is what he gave to us at the end of Mark chapter 16. He said, this sign shall follow them that believe. That's everybody that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. And that's what he said, power, authority over all devils. And he said, in my name they shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. That is healing of the sick. So that is for every believer. And here he talks about when he first sent the 12 apostles out to do, to go and preach and heal the sick like that. But that power remains with all believers up to today. And he wants you to do the same thing. And we go forth and preach. And heal the sick, the cast out devils in his name, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verse 7 is where we say, Herod the Tetrarch, the King Herod, heard of all that was done by him, and he was perplexed because that it was said of some that John, as John the Baptist, was risen from the dead, and of some that Elias had appeared, and of others that one of the old prophets was risen again. You see, the reason why they were thinking they have their, their what, you, what people call superstition. But that's their thinking in their generation that where any of these prophets of God that were dead, if they resurrect, they are risen from the dead, they will have more power manifesting through them. And in Herod has already killed John the Baptist with the sword. And now they had that another prophet is doing signs and wonders greater than what John the Baptist ever did. So he thought it was John the Baptist that rose up from the dead. That's why greater power was showing forth. And some others say, oh, it was Elias that has showed up again. 
and they thought any any of those old prophets when they come back alive they will be doing some more signs and powers, more power. So that was where they are coming from. Well, of course, if they resurrect and there will be more power in them, of course, they are not the one that resurrect anyway. The Lord God can always send new people. Verse nine. And Aaron said, John, have I beheaded? But who is this of whom I hear such things? And he decided to see him. Verse 10. And the apostles, when they were returned, told him all that they had done. And he took them and went aside privately into a desert place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. And the people, when they knew it, followed him. And he received them and spoke unto them of the kingdom of God and healed them that had need of healing. And when the day began to wear away, then came the twelve and said unto him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the towns and country round about and lodge and get victuals. For we are here in a desert place. But he said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they said, We have no more but five loaves and two fishes, except we should go and buy meat. For all these people, all these before they were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, make them sit down by 50s in a company. Now the Lord knew what he was going to do. And this is the multiplication of bread that the Lord did in this miracle. Verse 15. And they did so and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed them and break and gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. And they did all they did it and were all filled, and there was taken up of fragments that remained to them. Twelve baskets. Now we have we have seen this miracle in in the Lord Jesus Christ did twice this multiplication of bread. Feeding five thousand with another place feeding four thousand. Without including the Women and children, they just talk about the men. But you can say if there are 5,000 men, most likely if, if all of them are married and they have their kids, most likely you are talking of 15,000, multiplied by three, if not more. And the same with the other one. But you see, has this miracle ever happened against them? We have not seen any, any, any multiple of bread like that ever since then. But the Lord has done a little here, a little through his disciples, through us, even just five people. Even just them people, but I don't see anybody that we go to a place. I mean, even in our generation, when they cover a crowd to a stadium, there may be 12,000 crowd in the stadium listening to the gospel, but then they all go home. Nothing. But in this case, in that generation, maybe they were in a desert place that they, they passed were far away from the place where they can go, just want them to be fed. And there's another place where they said they were there for three days. That's like a camp meeting. And when we in our generation can't collect camp, can't call for camp meeting, sometimes we call for the camp meeting. I remember when we were still in, back in Nigeria, we call a camp meeting, and sometimes it's a fasting camp meeting. Everybody fasts, and then we are able to go home. We never really think of multiplication of bread unless we are doing breaking of bread, which the Lord has done many times. We are bring a loaf for breaking of bread, and we go to distribute, and it go through every as many people as we are there, and the bread goes round. Because we are not eating big loaves, it's just it's a piece. And sometimes when it happens like that, we may not realize God actually has multiplied it. I can tell you a particular experience that I know that that was the Lord. I recognize that it was the Lord that multiplied it. 
we are about four, one, two, three, four, five men. And we were staying in a, we just came to visit a, a brother and his wife. And look as some of the brethren are hungry and say, gee, well, do you have anything that we can eat? And the wife of the, of the brother just said, well, we have this a plate of rice. It's, well, it's not big enough for five men. Well, we, we just pick it up, put soup on it. And the five of us, I, mean, I think one, two, three, five, I think about four or five of us, took spoons and started digging into that plate of rice. And we keep eating it, we keep eating it, we keep eating it, we keep eating it until everybody's full. And we, we didn't have, uh, there's still some fuel left in that plate. A plate of rice, just a bowl, not a big bowl, a plate that you serve a single person. That's what the woman said she had. Just for a single person, five of us delved into it and we were satisfied by the time we finished that plate of rice. So after we finished, I thought about it, that single plate of rice fed all of us. And thank the Lord for that. That's how the Lord we multiply with that. Look at this apostle. You think the apostles realized that the, the bread was multiplying while they were giving it out, giving it out, giving it out, and it's multiplying. They didn't notice until it's all done. And they you said, know, get together the remnant. And they, because when you see five loaves, I don't know how big each loaf is. If the 5,000 million, maybe even we cut five loaves into this. As he cut it, he could cut it to two, three, that would be ten. If you cut this one to two, three, you get up to twelve people. They go and serve them, and they have a little spoon, and then they begin to cut it up. And that little left is still getting longer. They may be, it will be multiplying while they were not realizing it. That's what happened. If you realize it, you will be, your doubt, your unbelief will begin to stop what you are distributing. Just the same way as we are digging our spoon in the rice, we are just digging up with the still left, but the still left, everybody's. Eating that right, everyone is eating that right until we are filled. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Let's see, left over there. That is how the Lord did it for us then. But it was, after we finished it, and we, I considered that, wow, that single place of rice feed the fed five of us. So that is why the Lord did this miracle, and they may not realize that it was happening until it was all done. And it's a gather the remnant, it's more like evidence. And they gather the remnant and say it's about 12 baskets. And wow, and all the people are satisfied with the uh, bread and fish. So that's how miracles happen. And the Lord is still, can still do it over and over again through, for his people. And it's coming, we are believing at this end of the world when there will be a serious persecution. And people will be hiding in the jungle, not in the mark of the beast. They will be hiding in there. God may have to be, and not just God may, people they have to believe for faith where God will be multiplying whatever they have or creating miracles for them so that they will not want until the Lord comes to take them in the rapture. So that is what we believe is going to happen. And this example here of multiplication of bread for his people. Now, verse 18. And it came to pass as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him, and he asked them, saying, Whom say the people that I am? They answering said, John the Baptist. But some say Elias. Another say that one of the whole prophets is risen again. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said, the Christ of God. And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now this, this is where 
in the other gospel, he said, Peter responded and said, God forbid, and God just told him that JDBM is a fan. But Luke didn't reply that way. Luke just told what he said next. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. But what is a man advantage if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? Think about that. He said, if you try to save your life, you lose it. I remember preaching to people in, back in, in the countries, some cousins that were trusting in voodoo to protect their life. You know, they, they were in the mindset that some witches wish, wish, and wizards and evil men may want to hurt them. So they, they trust in voodoo, which they are harmless or something they put in their pocket or in their doors. And well, when we preach to them that trust Jesus Christ, he's able to save you. They were afraid. Why? They thought just praying alone is good enough. But that's what I did when I trusted Jesus Christ. I threw all those voodoo away when I was I, after my high school. I threw the voodoo away when they said, you can't be using voodoo to protect yourself and still calling upon the Lord. So I said, I'm going to trust the Lord Jesus Christ and he's able to save. But you must be able to lose your life like that because when I, when I throw the voodoo away, it's like you are throwing away your life. Something that's protecting you. I said, well, God is able to protect me. And he did. And from that 18-year-old, 19-year-old to um, now 70, you know God has protected me also. So that is what we are saying. And the voodoos, not that they are not done that they didn't do it, the devil was still around all through that time trying to kill. And the voodoo people that we preach against, they wanted to kill also, but see, their power was under our feet. It's what the Bible told us. But for the Lord to defend you like that, you must be ready to lose your life for him. That's you're ready to die for him, then he will defend you. That's what the Lord meant when he said in verse 24, Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. But what is a man's advantage if he gain the whole world and lose himself or because of you? That is, if you try to protect yourself, saving your life, saving your soul, you are going to hell by following voodoo because that's idolatry. You will be saving the whole, you gaining the whole world, but you are losing your soul. But for whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. So if you are ashamed of the gospel, the Christ said he also will be ashamed of you before the angel. Because it's the angels that will defend you. But when they are trying to defend this one, Jesus Christ can say, oh, don't, not this one because I don't know him. He doesn't confess me. So then the angels will do themselves. That's why I say, if you are ashamed of him, they also will be ashamed of you before the angels. Verse 27, but I tell you of the truth, there will be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. Now that verse 27 there was prophesying that some, some of the disciples that were standing there will not see death, die until they see him coming in the, in the kingdom. Which according to Luke, he said they see the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is already within us when he started after the arrest, after Christ resurrected. So the kingdom of God, they saw the kingdom of God when it, when it started. Now, but when you do the next verse is when he took the Peter, James, and John for, to the mountain of transfiguration, where he actually transfigured before them. That was they seeing the kingdom of God come down, showing himself that the king is here, the king of the kingdom. And that is what you read in verse 28. And it came to pass about an eight days after this says, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. 
And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory, and spake of his disease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory. That is, they saw him glowing like light. That's the logical glowing like light. That's the glory. They saw his glory. And the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed from him. That is, as Peter, as Elias and Moses departed from him. Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. They not knowing what he said. Now, why did he say one three tabernacles? He was trying to equate Jesus Christ to Moses and Elias. Now, oh, now we see. And also he was saying so that you can know that we saw them, we saw them, we saw them as they are about to leave. And but this is what happened verse 34. While it all speak, there came a cloud and overshadowed them. And they feared as they entered into the cloud, which means they were trying to go meet Jesus. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him, that is. Don't equate him to Moses or Elias. This is my beloved son, the one that found our authority. Verse 36. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone, and he kept it close, and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen. Now that is how Luke reported it in the Gospel of Matthew or so. He actually said that when they were coming down, the logical told them to tell no man. I mean, Jesus told them not to tell anyone until he rose, until he rose from the dead. And they or didn't understand what it means rising from the dead. But when after he, after he, after he rose from the dead, they can tell people what they saw. Verse 37. And it came to pass that on the next day, when they were come down from the hill, much people met him. And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech you, look upon my son, for he is my only child. And lo, a spirit taketh him, and he suddenly cried out, and it challenged him that he foment again, and bruising him, hardly departed from him. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. And that was what was going on by the time Jesus and Jesus Christ came down from the mountain with Peter, James, and John. He met the other nine disciples, apostles, wrestling with this situation of this lunatic boy, as his daddy brought to them. And he said he could not cast the devil out. And verse 41, Jesus answered, said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son in. So the Lord was rebuking the old generation, not just the nine disciples that couldn't do it, including the father, because the faith of the person that brought your sick person also, your faith is necessary. If you are doubting, it will hinder even the man that wants to pray for you. Remember when Jesus Christ went to his own home place in, in Nazareth? The Bible said he could not, he couldn't. That's not that he will not. He could not do much miracle because they didn't believe, even in Nazareth. You are saying, is that not the carpenter or the carpenter's son? And where did he get this power? So that their unbelief will hinder is power from demonstrating because most of the most of the miracle logical show to us it was it said your faith has made you go that way your faith has made you so if that people have no faith then they won't get anything also from him so if the man that brought his son also is doubting he won't be able to it won't help the opposite that are trying to help that are trying to cast the devil and that's 
the old generation of Muni Lord, all these colleagues say, Oh, perverse generation. They say, Oh, disciples that I couldn't do it. So, so both the disciples and the man, they are all in the same generation also. He said, Oh, faithless, faithless, you don't have faith. And perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son either. And as he was yet coming as verse 42, the devil threw him down and tear him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. And they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. But while they wondered everyone at all things which Jesus did, he said unto his disciples, Let this saying sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. So the Lord started telling them about the crucifixion that was coming. But to them it was like, how can that happen when you are the Messiah? I mean, they were, it was going through one year and getting out through the other year. But because it's an place and on third day we rise again, so they just ignore it. Right? It's going to rise again on third day. That's almost like forget about it. No. So they didn't put it to mind to question what does that really mean. They didn't ask him about it. Verse 45. See, but they understood not this sin, and it was hid from them that they perceived it not, and they feared to ask him of that sin. I mean, they are afraid to even ask him, What do you mean by the Son of Man shall be? Deliver into the hands of men. It does not agree with their theology, with their understanding of what the Messiah is, is and who the Messiah is, and how the Messiah should come. And so, but they have believed that you are the Messiah. But what you are saying does not agree with what they think the Messiah will be. So that's why they couldn't even ask him. They were free to ask. Verse 46. Then there arose a reasoning among them which of them should be greatest. Now that verse 46 is because while they were while the nine disciples that were trying to cast that devil out were struggling with the devil, they may be having confrontation between them. Let me handle it. No, no, let me handle it. So they're trying to handle who should be in charge, make them to begin to even conflict with one another, that make the devil to even laugh at them, dream bulge. Until the Lord Jesus Christ sent the devil out. So that's why the Bible said there was a reasoning among them which of them should be greatest. I mean, among the nine of us, who, is the, who should be in control here? And that was one of the problems that they have in, in, when, when the logic was not there with them. And then Peter, James, and John. If Peter, James, and John were there, they would have said, well, you always call Peter, James, and John. So they would assume they would relax and let Peter handle it or the of John. But those three were also gone with the logic to the mountain. So in denying now who is in charge. So they came, that could be one of the reasoning that made them to be completely one another. The devil doesn't even budge when he, they will know that, that these people are not serious. They are fighting among one another internally, not a physical fighting. But once I say no, I will do it. It's becoming a, a conflict. Listen. Verse 47. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of the hour, took a child and set him by him. Said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name, receive it. And whosoever shall receive me, receive it him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. The Lord is trying to set up. Their mindset to say, well, don't think of you are great, maybe you have to be bossing everybody else. No, you have to want to be serving. Say, this at the least should be the one that is great. The least is the one that says, you clean the table. Also. But the one that's clean the table is the one that is the greatest. That's what the Lord is saying. Verse 49. And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him, because he followed not with us. But that's strange. This is the only place where we, we, are, we read that. They we forbid him because he's not following us. It's almost like we are denomination. 
this man is not a formal denomination. Why is he doing things like we, like we do? Say, and Jesus Christ said to him, Forbid him not. For you that is not against us, it is for us. I mean, the Lord said, Don't forbid him. If it's not against us, it's for us. In another place, he said that anyone that do, anyone that do signs and wonders in my name will speak light of me. Verse 51. And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now, this point is the fact that he was about going on the way down to Jerusalem, knowing that it is the final Passover. Passover feast. And then he sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, verse 53. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. So before you can go from Galilee to Jerusalem, maybe you have to cross the section called the Samaritan towns and villages. So now he, he sent messengers and they said, well, we, if we are going to Jerusalem, we, by the time it's getting to evening, we'll be around here. Let's just look for a place here where we're going to stay before the morning. And they said, where are you guys going? Jerusalem? Oh, no, this is not a, it's not a stop house for your people going to Jerusalem. So that's why they said those people wanted to, they didn't receive him. Not because of him, but because they are trying to be anti, anti-Jerusalem travelers. Anti-Jerusalem travelers. They know if you're going to Jerusalem, because they have Samaritans and Jews are in Jerusalem, they are having conflict with one another. They said, you have to come to Jerusalem to worship God. And Samaritans know. We worship on this mountain. And then if anybody goes to Jerusalem, we don't make our, our city, our town, our village as outpost to Jerusalem. We can worship over here. So that become a conflict between the Samaritans and the Jews. So that was one of the reasons why the Bible says this Samaritan village did not receive him because he was going to Jerusalem. Verse 54, And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, Will thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Even as Elias did. I mean, they were upset that they won't let us stay here overnight. We just can destroy this city, destroy this village like Elijah caught fire. But the geological turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Because many times we have, many up in our generation, we have this mentality. There will be a confronting showdown. I remember my, some of my brain when I was in Nigeria, when I was still following the end time message. Showdown, like Elijah did with the prophets of Baal. And some of the brain wanted to demonstrate that also, even among their own, when they are confronting one another, even in the fellowship. Showdown between me and you. Let's see who can call fire down. God will judge between me and you right now. I said, What kind of a thing is that? That's the type of thing that uh, was happening, even in our own generation. People want to demonstrate the power of Elias. So if somebody confronted them, say you, I, I remember a brother. This is just more like a testimony. We were in a fellowship. We were having this fellowship in Nigeria, in Bado, in those days. I'm talking 1977 or something like that. And the brother, the brother rose, was leading the fellowship, and he felt within himself that things were not right. People are not doing what he wanted them to do. He just said, "If you guys are, he just closed down the meeting. I mean, by almost like dominating also." People gather together and just say, well, if you don't do this thing the way I say, we are just going to close down the meeting. Or maybe he raised a song or he said something, I can't even remember what was the thing. If you don't do what I say, we are just going to close down the meeting. I'm ready to just say, everybody, go home. 
close down the meeting. Within 10 minutes, we are go. We are supposed to be there for at least one hour, two hours, worshiping the Lord, and then somebody will exhort. And this brother, one of the leaders, just decided and say, you guys are not doing what he said you should do in, in the meeting. Maybe erase a song. He just said, meeting closed, everybody go home. And I was one of the people then. I more or less called him aside and said, bro, you shouldn't have closed the meeting like that. Well, of course, why would you close the meeting? We didn't come to worship. You are coming to worship God. You just close everybody, go home. No, no, no meeting today because you are good. Just are not doing what he, what he said. So I called him aside and said, bro, you don't choose to close that meeting like that. And the brother flared and said, you are telling me what to do? Let's come aside. Me and you, right? Now, let's go aside. And we, we, we do Mount Carmel showdown <laughs> between me and you. I just laughed. And he said, and he happened to be my friend. And I said, okay, let's. so I didn't want to be chicken out, so I followed him to the side of the, of the, of the house. So me and, you, me and him were now standing aside from the rest of the people. And we are, by the side, I said, Mount Carmel showdown, we're going to see who, me, who, who is right between me and you. So I said, well, okay, how do you want God to, to show to us? How do you want the Lord God to demonstrate? You want fire to come down to kill one of us? Of course, he was see me by Mount Carmel showdown between me and you. So then he, he relented and said, well, you see, Baju, you see, Bajulos, you are one, one of the people I respected. But this thing was doing like this. I just decided to close. Well, you, I, to me, I don't think you should close the meeting down. You come to worship God, to fellowship. So you should dominate and everybody go home because you didn't do. So we actually settled amicably. But I laughed when he said, it's between me and you. Let's see who, who God is going to say is right between me and you. <laughs> I just laughed. Said, okay, how do you want God to show it? Tell me what what you will decide. I say, yeah, I said, me and you, we should decide. How do you want God to show you? You want God to send lightning between me and you? To slice somebody down? <laughs> I, said, I just laugh. So that is what I'm saying. That, and that is what uh, James and John were also saying. They say, wow, gee, these people didn't receive us. No, let's call lightning to strike the whole city and destroy them. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, you don't know what kind of a spirit you are following. The Son of Man has not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. So you see, when I laugh with that, my brother that day, he was still my friend, my brother, I, I sleep in his house every time I come to that town, in fellowship with him, I stay, I stay in his house. So that was uh, what some men were doing in those days, they want for a man coming show down, like, to show God will decide between me and you, lightning come down, when we command you, you come for lightning, I come for lightning, let's see who God will answer. Like he did, Elijah did that, so they were all trying to duplicate that in, in many forms, that's what John James and John were also thinking, we have free blessing and we can duplicate what Elijah did. And sometimes we are trying to ask God to do something that God is dispensational. God doesn't do some of those things like that anymore. There's a purpose why God did it for Elijah. But say, not between me and my brother that we should walk in love. Jesus Christ has brought love, kingdom of love. Not in the days of Elijah. They, are, they didn't have kingdom of love. It's high for a high, tooth for a tooth. Christ has come with the kingdom of love, so we have to love one another in the body of Christ. So nobody should be calling lightning down upon the other brother just because he disagrees with you. No, the Lord just will laugh at both of you and want the lightning to come down. So that's why he told these people, say, for the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. So they went to another village, verse 57. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has not where to lay his head. 
It's almost like I'm not supporting. Does that mean I don't follow me? Yeah, the law was this. Uh, Luke was reporting this to make you see that some people give a reason why they will come. Come and say, yeah, we do this. Guy say he's calling people. It's not that like some some volunteer. Some people will volunteer. He say, no, I don't really call you. Some will say it's called to other people come and they say I'm not ready yet. So uh, Luke is giving us different responses of different people, and now the Lord also is selecting. It's a selection. Because this man said, I will follow you wherever you go. And let's say, where are you following me to? Foxy South Oles, Bros have a nest, where are you following me to? He didn't say, don't follow me. He's just more or less making to see that way. God is selecting people, not people just uh, jumping in. If God doesn't say you to go and be an evangelist, don't go ahead and be an evangelist, just be a, be, be a believer. Okay? But some people will jump, jump and run when God has already sent them. And that's exactly what this is telling us that there are different responses from different people. And verse 59 told us another example. And he said to another one, he said, The Lord said to another man, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus Christ said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead. They go down and preach the kingdom of God. That is, some he called, they didn't want to come. Some he called, they are delayed. Some they wanted to come, he said, No, don't just jump in. I'm calling people. And then the others, that it's just, just the same way we say the sower sowed the seed. Some fell on the roadside and the devil, the boss of the air picked them up. Some fell on stony branches, stony places, and they never get anywhere because they are choked. So uh, they, they, they have no root. Some fell on tons, among tons, and they were choked. But the one on good ground, they produced. So one fourth. So that is what this same story say is trying to portray to us. It, some say, I will come. He said, where, where are you coming to? He's one that's called him. The one say, come. He said, well, let me go and bury my father. He said, let the dead bury their dead. Go and preach the gospel. Another one, he said to another one, Lord, verse 61, and another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. That one said, I will follow you, but let me first do this. And he said, well, you better, follow, you better follow. This one said, I will follow you wherever you go. He said, where are you following me to? Here is another one. He said, come. He was saying, well, let me go do this first. So that is why it is telling on different ground, like sowing the seed. That's the end of chapter 10. Or chapter 9, we go to chapter 10 in the next book. God bless you.